What's up, everybody? Steve here with Speed Kings. I'm sitting here with, uh, as you guys know him, Asian Tony from Land Speed Motorcycle Shop in Fountain Valley. Yo. Tony was probably my very first, uh, I guess, motorcycle friend in this industry. I don't, it's been, I don't know, seven, six, seven years probably now. Probably at least at least that. Yeah, I think. met him a long. It feels like a long time ago. Um, Tony, for me, was one of those guys who took me kind of under his wing and showed me the 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 way of the hustle. Um, uh, you know, from slanging parts to sell, you know, buying used parts, selling used parts, like all the kind of stuff. A lot of you guys know him from all the swap meets, uh, from NorCal to Vegas to SoCal swap meet. Every swap meet that you can swap at, Tony's always there trying to talk you down on all your prices, even if you're giving it to him for free. Gotta um, ask. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Yeah. So I definitely learned a lot from Tony in the early days of me wanting to become a, a motorcycle badass like I am today. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I really am thankful for everything he did teach me. Um, him and Eric there, they taught me a lot even about wrenching on bikes and all the kind of stuff that we do. And I, and I credit a lot of what we do today to the things I learned from them. So, you know, Tony, give me a... It, it's always a lot of fun. You it, know, that's why we do it. It is. It is. You know, it, you know. It's been a long time since I've had a job that I enjoyed working at. I, rem I remember the first year, a uh, few years of our friendship, you're in a bad place. You fucking hated your job. Oh, hated it. You hated your job. You hated your boss. You hated fucking the people you worked with. Oh, it was the worst. <clears throat> I mean, what? have you ever had a job like that where you just fucking hated life? I mean, you've been doing this now for how many years? I opened the shop... Uh, 2020 will be it'll be 10 years wow that's a yeah. good run it is i think oh, i can't believe it yeah um and so what did you do before that i uh i made snowboarding videos um i lived up in mammoth for about 10 years and i shot and edited videos i worked for a number of different companies um all the better paying gigs were not snowboarding company related they're always like you know xerox and uh and like insurance companies and shit like that and like Hollywood um, TV shows for like fuel, they would come up and they would pay good money. Snowboarding companies, they suck. They want to trade like product and shit. Ask my landlord if he'll take a snowboard for this month's rent. <laughs> fuck out of here yeah that's a that's a little odd so give us like um i guess the history of tony how you got into what you're doing today you know where you started from what what you like led up to you being in the motorcycle industry and 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 for 10 years now that's a long stretch of time i mean i was always into motorsports i was always into muscle cars uh, my brothers my brother uh tim had a couple of motorcycles when I was growing up, and I used to, you know, take off on him when he was like out of town or out with his friends. He'd leave his keys around. I'd go rip around on him. And uh, yeah, I've always, I've always liked riding motorcycles. I, you know, I, I rode way back in the day, uh, before there was even a helmet law in California. And uh, when that helmet law went into effect, it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth, and I stopped riding. I lived, I moved up to Mammoth, and. Uh, you know, started leading this uh, snowboarding life, <clears throat> which was a lot of fun, and I met a lot of good people, and uh, I got to travel the world, you know, on somebody else's dime, and it was a good time. And then I got into some trouble, uh, went away for a couple of years, came back, and uh, a buddy of mine, Felix, had a shop in Costa Mesa, and I needed some sort of uh, paycheck stub, you know, to show the halfway house I was doing something. 
so he put me on the books and uh yeah we started hustling bikes flipping bikes and parts and i just kind of went with it never looked back always went hard it's funny when i first when i first got out he was like i i was in the same sh uh, shoes you were in and i remember getting out and just being super hungry and always hustling and going hard and he's like you'll slow down i'm like no dude i'll never slow down it's like it's almost like you got something to prove well uh, since i was like a little kid you know i'd always i'd always hustled a little bit i sold firecrackers and shit at school and <laughs> so i always had some sort of game and uh hustling in the joint man that really it, it sharpened my skills yeah and you just kind of take that what you learned in there and bring it out here and it's just kind of the same deal you know you in there you can either go with the bad or get something out of it yep and there's a lot of bad in there and there's a lot of opportunities to do stupid shit yeah just steer clear you know yep yep kept, kept my nose clean play guitar all the time hustle game was strong played a lot of cards played a lot of poker there you go yeah I think the we, the first time me and you met was Hazard County to or interacted and talked. I mean, we've been friends for a, quite a long time, as mentioned before. And I remember we were trying to ride together, trying to meet up. It didn't quite work out. I still rode out there at that point. But at that time, I had that Dyna Wide Glide. It was a 96 Dyna Wide Glide, which was like a dumb fucking bike. But the bike before that I had was a um, 69 Ironhead rigid chopper deal that I had built and the, I sold that to some somebody for money a bunch of money too much money probably for that bike but um, and I bought that Dyna Wide the Dyna Wide Glide for me was the bike that got me out of my hometown though the Ironhead wasn't going to get me anywhere no it was going to get you on the side of the road definitely <laughs> I rode it on the freeway one time <clears throat> And and my and that time my my other buddy crashed his iron head on the freeway and so you know ended up getting back leaking oil everywhere but I as, bought that as they do yeah yeah I bought that ninety six Dyna Wide Glide I remember for like forty five hundred bucks or something and oh man from going from a, my first Harley Iron Head to that was the fastest bike in the world well it's like when you're a little kid you know you're kind of stuck around your parents house and then when you when you're in I don't know like third grade or something they get you a bicycle boom your reach goes your reach expands to the freaking neighborhood you're out riding bicycle with all your bu other buddies and getting whatever hilarious high drinks you guys are getting into when yep. you hit high school you get a driver's license you can go anywhere oh yeah like i remember ditching school to drive up to mammoth which is you know six hours away to go snowboarding for the day <laughs> yeah that that bike took me on a whole new i remember the first week i had i put a thousand miles on it i mean i, I there i was always on my bike now i'm always in my car because i'm that, it's cold and i'm old that that's awesome yeah but that, i remember riding that bike to hazard county too we tried to link up there i was too drunk um, way too quick. I'm a I was a cheap date that night. And then uh, we didn't meet up for a couple of weeks after that at your shop finally. Yep. And then um, that was kind of our first deal. And we've kind of maintained a, a good relationship ever since. I remember, I remember when I finally moved to Orange County and that's when I had the brown shovel head. Yep. The, the bike that would break down no matter what. It just wouldn't start. That, well, one time it would never start, but it, no matter what I did to that bike, it just fucking broke. I don't understand. I never understood the mechanics of that bike. 
But um, I remember one time I was going, I was riding it to this little job I had in Laguna at that time, and it broke down on the side of the freeway. And I called you because you're the only person I knew, and I didn't have AAA or anything. So I called you. I said, "Hey, would you can you come pick me up?" And you're like, "Yeah, but everything has a price." <laughs> <laughs> Was this on the 405? This was, I mean, I was in Laguna, so I was, I got on, it was out there. Oh, I was, like Laguna Beach? Yeah. It was on the side of the freeway, but yes. Okay, okay. But yes, you came and picked me up, and you know, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, but yeah, I just remember remember that. That was one of the things that, it's those little, little things I think I took away from our interactions together and our time together that like, you know, and it's true, everything does have a price. And it wasn't even, I think I gave you like a a headlight for one of your bikes or something. You know, it wasn't Uh nothing, but it was just that, I think the little lessons that you take away from um, conversations and, and real life interactions when you're getting out of your comfort zone for me moving from the high desert to orange county was completely crazy for me out of my comfort zone like blew my mind that i even did it like but taught me a lot of lessons of what i'm doing today and those kind of things i took away a lot of life lessons from well there's there's lessons in every aspect of your life whether or not you learn from it or not it's it's up to you definitely definitely lately i've been learning to just stay to myself it's it, it's funny. I think I I read a quote Jim Carrey said. He's like, I used to sneak out of out of my home to go to parties. Now I sneak out of parties to go home. Definitely, definitely. I've turned into a giant homebody over the last few years being out here in Riverside. Um, I'm just happy. You know, I wake up at four thirty five o'clock every morning, regardless. Yep. And I wait for the sun to come up, and I wake up Christina, and we go surf every morning. Perfect. And I go to work all day. I come home. I'm in bed by eight or eight thirty. It's hilarious. I my I set my ringer off at eight p.m. No calls can come in. I'm I'm ready to go to bed. You know, it's and I wake up in the morning. There's like ten or twenty texts from people. Yep. And they're like eight, nine o'clock. <laughs> yep. I, I do the same thing. I, I don't turn my ringer off, but you know what I've, I do is a lot of times I put my phone in the in the kitchen to charge. Mm-hmm. So that way, you know, you can't hear it uh, at night vibrating or things like that because I usually always have mine on vibrate anyways. And uh, I don't, once I'm in bed for the most part, I mean, I'm kind of done, you know, like, and I kind of do the same thing. Eight Between eight and nine, I'm usually in bed. Mm-hmm. I like to wake up early now. I'm, I it's don't, a beautiful thing. Yeah, I don't set an alarm clock. It might, actually, my dogs wake me up every day but you know i'm usually up between six and seven every day i haven't used an alarm clock well actually i use an alarm clock only for the swap meet because i absolutely have to get up for that yep but other than besides that i haven't used one in 10 years oh yeah i remember um when we used to share a swap meet spot the socal swap meet and i made you late one time and we had to go from the reserve line to the oh yeah line that wrapped around like for two blocks that's right i remember that oh you weren't happy that day <laughs> I, I remember one time at the swap meet, like I th- your tent, my tent, somebody's tent blew into my van, yep. and it scratched it. And you're like, "Oh, let me give you some money for that." I'm like, oh, "Why did you do it? Or you controlling the air or something?" Yep, but still, you know, when you my, feel bad, you feel bad. Yeah, but it, it was it was awesome that you offered it. It was I thought it was kind of funny though. Yeah. Yeah, I've 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 been lucky enough to only physically lose one canopy over our time of using canopies, and I believe it's still well, they closed down, but I think it's still in the back of that milestone uh, motocross park. Oh my god, <laughs> I left it back there. <laughs> um, you know, I see guys at the swap meet with the uh, the older style tents. You know, they had like thirty poles and these like triangle joints. Oh yeah, and they spend like 
fucking an hour putting this shit up. Yep. I can put up my tent by myself yep. in like two minutes. Yeah. Spend the money, guy. Yes, but for seriously, spend the. You don't gotta get one with your logo and stuff on it, but spend the money. Get one that just pops up because you're <clears> killing yourself. Get your life back. Get an hour of your life back. The most valuable commodity is time. It is. It is. You can't buy it. No, you definitely. Once it's cannot. gone, it's gone. So what do you got working on right now that you're working on? I mean, you've been in my time of knowing you and our in our it's been nothing but nonstop hustle from you putting different bikes together, chop from old choppers. I remember you're like, I got three knuckleheads and all this stuff. Now I, I see that you're on a giant FXR kick. You know, I still have uh five knuckleheads. I, I released two of them a couple weeks ago to uh Ryan Grossman. <clears throat> But uh, I don't know. I've been, I've been, FXRs are super fun to ride, super fun to work on. Um, I still got a bunch of, you know, chopper stuff. I got a 57 pan. I've got my uh, 47 knuckle, the David Mann bike. Um, I've got a 46 up on the rack as a project. I have two 45s. No. What do I have in the back? Two 47s also in the back in rollers. I need to get titled. But uh, I don't know. I built Christina bike, my girlfriend Christina. My main projects are hanging out with her and um, our twins. Yep. And that's that's kind of my goal. That's what my focus is these days. Is just yeah. making sure we're all provided for. Yep. That's good. That's good. That's like it's kind of similar to what we we do here. You know, it's a. This has grown quite a bit. You've kind of you've watched it pretty much since day one, and it changes a lot of things. I remember. I think you're all. Hey, how much money do I need to have in reserves? You know, I want to. I want to quit my job and open up my business. I'm like, fuck. I don't know. Like a year. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, I got two months. I'm going for it. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. And look at you now. Yeah. You know, I I like to play on the side of caution. You kind of went for it, and it paid off. Yeah good for you yeah life is definitely different from that day i, I mean i i remember that conversation because i i was on the fence right then and there and i was just like yeah you said a year though and i'm like i don't there's no fucking way i'll ever be able to save that much money and uh, i i remember when i quit my job i had three thousand dollars in the bank that's it and i and i was like fuck this i'm done but you had good credit no 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 well you had you were buying fucking cars. You were financing all these cars. I was like, I'm all. I've never financed a car. I've always paid cash for shit. I had well because I didn't have cash. They had to give it to me. <laughs> it wasn't anything cool. Remember, I remember I I totaled my PT Cruiser and I towed it straight to your shop. And we try <laughs> and we tried to get all this gas out. Of it. I remember you sending me a picture of it, it jacked up in the air and you guys trying to like puncture the gas tank or something. We we needed gas for one of the bikes in the shop and instead of driving two miles to get gasoline down at the gas station, we were like feeding all kinds of tubes and air and all this shit <laughs> in your PT cruiser to get like a gallon out of it. <laughs> it, it was like $2.80 we were trying to save. <laughs> oh, man. And then I, the only reason I think I was able to get finance at that time was because um, I knew people at dealerships. <laughs> and I had to only go there. And then that, that, the next car was a Hyundai Elantra. I, on a budget. I, re, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just needed, at that time, it was just commuter cars. You needed, you needed. needed a vehicle. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it was a... Uh, that was yeah. That was a, a bad bad situation right there. We that was we were actually going to a party at Twenty Four Cycles that day when we totaled that car. Oh yeah, yeah, long time ago. Long but I mean, look at you now. You you took what you had, you leveraged it, and you made it work. Yeah, it's been a it's it's. <clears throat> I, I get lost in what we're doing sometimes and don't quite open my eyes all the time and notice what we've done. 
and I think that's a hard lesson still to learn for people. Just, I mean, I'm not, how old are you, Steve? 37. 37. Yeah. At some point in my life, I stopped making the wrong choices. Yep. One day it just clicked and I stopped doing that and it's worked out really well for me ever since. Yeah. And, and I think uh, I think in the world of Instagram and the world of social media and stuff like that where everybody's trying to show the highlight reels of their life and everybody's trying to level up to the same the next person and everybody's trying to compete in this weird like they're not non-competitive but competitive situation where they want to show everything that they have it really kind of takes people away from what they're really doing like look at how great i am yeah like you know it's a and especially in the motorcycle industry with everybody putting together some pretty cool bikes you know and and doing all this cool shit with it and there's some heavy players in the industry that we all know and it's like everybody's trying to do one up that person not necessarily like in a derogatory way but maybe more unconsciously trying to like be like oh i can you know what i mean and i'm not saying i'm not guilty of that either i'm just it's it's actually crazy you know it's i can't fathom throwing 30 40,000 dollars at a motorcycle like i i put together like these stock looking you know fxrs and i, I i mean i'm on a swap meet budget yep i've always i always have been i'll, I'll build these bikes for like i don't know four or five grand yep Yep. And, I'll, and I'll wait forever and I got a fucking office full of fucking FXR parts just waiting and I'll buy them for next to nothing I'll just sit put on the shelf and I'll just wait and wait until the time comes and I'll use it all and I'll build a bike for like you know six thousand bucks yeah yeah see I don't do that no you're but, not scared at all but I have but but you're not scared at all now you, no. you will just be like yeah I'm gonna buy this fucking five thousand dollar front end I'm like oh my god five thousand dollar front end that's a whole running bike <laughs> it, and it is it is <clears throat> um, And but for us as a business you know we generally build all the bikes with parts that we actually sell right which so for us it actually helps us in a marketing sense that shows to show like hey go to our website, you could build this bike. You right. Know? So it, it definitely, I think, is I've learned that it's a more of a marketing ploy, I guess, or marketing scenario for us instead of just, look how much you know money I have. And then, like for me, I just... <clears throat> Like the FXR right now, yes, it's probably got too much money put into it, but I'm also like really picky on the way things go, and, and I've learned to like be super picky on that, and then I'm also building it for my wife, who I want to make sure it's a super reliable, awesome bike for her. You know, Eric Martinez, who I work with, told me um, told me a long time ago, he's like, dude, you need to build a really nice bike, a showpiece for your shop to showcase what you guys do. So I built this, uh, this panhead, I think it was a 55 panhead and I built it for I'm not sure when I built that probably like six years ago yep. and I didn't and I hated that bike there was the it was a black and white it was, wasn't it was the it? black and white yep. one and it was a beautiful looking bike but I just hated it and it just wasn't it was it was so nice I just didn't want to ride it. I want to I want to build riders yeah and I want to build bikes that I can that I can leave outside and fucking you know go thrash on yeah and not care about it. I just want I just want to live life I want to have a good time yep I don't want to be too focused on this garage queen no I, I definitely agree with that and see for, I don't know I agree with that and I do the same thing because like even though these bikes that I've been doing lately have maybe um, a higher budget I'll say 
and make sure they get ridden. Like this FXR will be ridden. Like her Sportster's coming apart when this FXR is done. And I, I don't know what I'll do with it, but I'm going to probably rebuild that Sportster one of these days. No, 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 no time soon, but maybe in the next couple of years. But I kind of want to dip the whole frame in gold and do something stu- really stupid because that Sportster already, I mean, I'll never be able to sell that bike. You right. Know? And I, and I feel, I think that's what, that's kind of my, I guess, justification for these bikes is like how much money that does end up being involved in them. Like this, like this FXR you're building for Amy with the uh, Misfit skull is like, I want to put that in a fucking glass case and parade it around town. Yeah, it, it's that nice. Yeah, and I and I hear that, and it, but it's like that's I think that's my goal though. Like for me, my goal for always doing this company, always doing this company was to build bikes. Right, and every time. I assemble build bikes. You know, I call it assembler because I'm not building motors and shit. So I'm a, I'm a, I, I've dubbed me the name master assembler, but you can probably say like there's there's many assembler. many master assemblers yeah. out there. And um, so for me, this business always from day one, even when I, when it was just an idea, was always to help build bikes. And every time now that I do a bike, I want to I'm trying to do it. Uh, I guess on a, a level up per se, like do, like challenge myself, do something more than I did on the one previously, and you know the orange uh, Dyna came out pretty cool, but it, you know it, it definitely if I redo it, it's going to be a lot better, you know. And then I the you know the soft tail I think was my big, I guess want to say eye opener, um, something too that I realized as a master assembler of like flow and contrast and like all these little things that I think is highly over looked um by a lot of people out there and it like opened my eyes to it and I'm now it's like going to the fxr which is something that i would have never thought i would build because i'm not an fxr guy i'm too fat i feel like a bear riding a tricycle on an fxr i've had one i didn't like it i sold it right away but it's a perfect bike for amy because it's like an intermediate between a dyna and a sportster as far as size wise goes oh christina loves her fxr yeah so i was it just fell in our lap and I said, do you want me to build you an FXR? Because it was time for her to get a new bike. Like, it's time. Like, you know, we're t- I'm tired of the 100-mile gas tank. You know, like, I'm tired of all that shit on the Sportster. And she's like, yes, cool. Fell in our lap. And I'm like, but if I do it, I'm going to build this bike as if I were building it for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's going to have everything that I would put on my personal bike, but it's going to be for you. Mm-hmm. And basically, she said she got to control a few little things like she, the paint scheme and stuff like that. Here's kind of what I'm thinking, blah, blah, blah. We give it to Valley Customs. Valley Customs. I don't I don't tell him exactly. I'm not micromanaging him. He knows like the style that I like. That, that Now I'm into that simple but detailed and contrast. And so here's our idea. Run with it. Don't I don't want to see pictures. Just give it back to me when it's done. You know, you know? <clears throat> when I assemble my bikes... I try to stick with uh, Harley parts yep. or parts specifically made for Harleys. Yeah, uh, I'm not a big fan of putting Japanese stuff on my bikes. Um, and I when I when I put them together, I put them together for me. And if you know you like you like that style, then I'll, I'll sell you the bike. Yeah, but I, I'm not gonna put a Suzuki front end on a bike and all this fucking bullshit and then try to slang it for fucking 20, 30 grand. No, yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. No. And, you know, unfortunately, even with the FXR where it's at today, I mean, um, you saw it today and it's, it's, I, I, I'm pretty proud of it, especially for one, I'm pretty proud of the wiring job I did on it. Uh, that was the first time I've wired a bike basically from the ground up like that, that with so much stuff on it. Wiring scares most people. Yeah, and I remember I wired a bike at your shop for you at one point, remember that old, that soft tail? 
years ago, well, one thing, like our, our relationship at one point, I lost a job, my first job in Orange County. Um, I lost it and I had to make money. And uh, Tony, again, was one of my only friends out here. And I said, well, can I come basically be the bitch over at your shop until I find a job? And Tony, yeah. And he would pay me like 10 bucks an hour or something. And I would come just do shitty shit jobs for him or whatever. Just, you know, be a helping hand, but which taught me a lot of stuff. And at one point I got a job, but you're like, well, I got this soft tail for you. And it was, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like basically the wiring. You bought like the harness. It was all mapped out. Maybe like some Mm -hmm. weird I don't know brand of something mm-hmm. and I had to like run all the wires and all this shit for it and I you know but which was I guess it's simpler wiring never really scared me um but it was a, it's definitely challenging and I remember Lee, Tony also taught me how to solder you remember that? <laughs> I remember the uh, meteorite. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned how to solder on my own. You know, I don't even remember. I just thought, oh, this is how it should be done. And I would take the wires and I would fan the wires out like in a big bunch. And then I would try to like jam the wires into each other. Like if you're putting your fingers together. Right. And then solder that all together. Because like that sounds like it's going to be the best connection. Right. <laughs> Theoretically, and, it, and, he, and he showed it to me, and it looked like this piece of kryptonite. I mean, it, it was like this twelve gauge wire with with like a two gauge hump, like lump ball, like in the middle. Wrap probably wrapped in electrical tape at that point. Yeah, but it was soldered nonetheless. So then he showed me his way of soldering, which I still use today, and and it definitely helps clean and make for use of uh, heat shrink tubing that fits around it. Yeah, it's it's not even my way of soldering; it's the right way of soldering. <laughs> the way that I was taught. So, so, you know, I learned, definitely learned a lot from just coming to your shop, being around there. I mean, I was for a while there, I was there almost every day, just after work, even when I had a job, just to be around motorcycles, I think, and learn and learn and learn. And it's definitely helped me, you know, grow. And, you know, we've talked about it before where sometimes I, I think about those, I guess, those moments and wonder if I would be where I'm at today if it wasn't because of those. You wouldn't be where you're at today without any of the experiences that you've had. Yep. Whether, you know, it was me or my shop or with your with your kids or all the things you that happen in your life um, guide you to where you're at now. Yep. So if you start making the right decisions, which you all should, it'll take you to a better place guaranteed yeah that is, that is true i mean it, it's a lot of a lot, a lot of its mentality and attitude I mean, <clears throat> definitely to takes your life in a different direction i've been listening to this uh podcast with this uh uh psychological professor um his name is jordan peterson he's a professor up at the university of toronto in canada and uh, he's, he says some pretty spot on stuff. He's really eloquent. He's very precise in his uh, in his verbatim. And uh, anybody who listens to him will, will learn something about themselves. And uh, they could use it and apply it to every part of their lives, make it better. It, it, he's really good. Give him a listen. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. No, I'll have to check that out. I enjoy... Um self-help podcast and things like that you know um it definitely it's i don't i it's funny because when i'm driving i mean i and i drive a lot especially because of the kids living where they live and everything like that so i'm in in my van a lot and it's either i listen to nothing and just think or i'm listening to like stuff like that that like you know makes you think you know what i mean it definitely helps yeah um i find myself listening to a lot of um true crime podcast i listened to this one 
what was it called? S-Town. S-Town is about this uh, reporter who gets his phone call from this guy. I think he's in Georgia, and he's like, hey, this one dude got murdered in my town, and the whole town's trying to cover it up. And the reporter goes to the town, and he starts interviewing this guy, and a, a podcast shifts from this murder to the actual guy who's you know trying to get it uncovered. And it's it's really good podcast. Really, uh, I mean, I listen to all. I think there's seven episodes. I listen to them in, wow. like right, right, right after one, right after another. Wow, Amy would like that. She loves that true crime shit. Oh, it, it's good. It's yeah. good. But it, the guy is like this uh, clock repairman. He's like world-renowned clock repairman. Fixes all like really old uh, clocks. But he's like this really quirky. Uh, quirky character and it and it evolves and it comes to light as this podcast goes on wow that's the that's probably their their claim to fame right there that town's claim to fame so they didn't want to get rid of him s town <laughs> it, it it takes crazy turn and i mean you just got to listen to it i don't want to give any spoilers away but yeah. it's really good s town yeah i'll have to check that out so going further with what you've been doing and, and your shop and everything what do you see the future of what you got going on i mean where do you see this going I mean, I opened the shop um, as a place to wrench on my own bikes, but also to keep people on, you know, on the road, not on, only on the road, but safe. <clears throat> Some guys come in with the biggest pieces of shit. And it's like, dude, you can't, I'm not going to let you leave like this. The things that this, you're going to crash. The bike has two wheels. You know, if something goes wrong, you're, you're, chances are you're going to lay it down. Yep. In a car, something goes wrong. You just slow down to grinding a halt and that's it. And you're, yep. you're still safe. Yep. Four wheels, you're good. Two wheels, not so much. Yeah. Um, as far as the f what the future holds, it's hard to say. You know, I got to take one day at a time. Everything can change in yep. seconds. It definitely can. It's crazy how solid you could have things in the next day, everything. I mean, I think we've all been through some life um, choices, decisions, or just repercussions of others' decisions that have changed lives drastically. I mean, I know I have. Yeah, it's it's like the butterfly effect. Yep. A ripple in the pond. Yeah. I mean, and, and we, even with the bad decisions or, you know, or even being a victim of bad decisions, um, you, how, I mean, my life has changed drastically because of that. I wouldn't be here today. I've made bad decisions 20 years ago that are just now affecting me. Oh, wow. So, yeah, just be careful in all the things you do. Yep, yep. It's it's wild, man. Um kind of lost track of what we should talk about um i don't know what else is there to talk about i don't know we talked about a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> um well how can people that want to follow you check out what you do check out parts you have for sale how can they get a hold of you through the Instagram, through the uh, through the Instagram, through the uh, Facebook. You know, I've been talking to this guy in Singapore. <clears throat> I'm button. I actually just buttoned up this uh, 1984 FXRP, and this guy in Singapore has been hitting me up about it. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me. You can call the shop. What's your, what's your Instagram handle for these people? Instagram is Land Speed Motorcycle Shop. Boom, and that's in Fountain Valley, California. Yeah. The, the fake Huntington Beach. It is the fake Huntington Beach because it is two blocks uh, east of the 405. Boom. 
So it's it's almost in the rest of America. <laughs> almost. <laughs> um, so what do you got going on for shows this year? We're, we're you know I know you do quite a bit of shows. You do quite a bit of swap meets. You do you 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 travel a lot for your business. What do you got going on? Well, you know I like to do the NorCal swap meet. Mm-hmm. Um, the SoCal one we've you know we have our steady spot E seventeen. Yep. And the Las Vegas swap meet we do. Yep. <clears throat> As far as bike shows go, I only do Born Free. It is based in Orange County. Um, doing other shows around around the country, it, I don't think it helps my business. But I have seen you at Dyna Days. Yes, you're right. My bad. My bad. Let me let me backtrack. Yes, Dyna Days. Yep. Um, I did the first one. Yep. Uh, we did it in the middle of a typhoon. Yes, we did. Good God, that was a. That was crazy how windy it was that day. Everybody's shit was getting blown away. It was a shame. And this year was much nicer. Thank you. Actually, probably 200% nicer. Yes. Um, we had Christina's oldest daughter, Heidi, selling uh, ice cream at the booth. Slinging ice cream. Oh, my God. It was the best idea. Next year, we're going to get like a little uh, tricycle cart <laughs> with a cooler in the back because you can just ride around the lot and sell the stuff. Yep, perfect. And it'll, it'll keep her busy. It'll make her money. It'll keep her happy. And yep, keep keep the hustle dream alive. And you know, at, at my booth, I mean, I'll bring some T-shirts and some just little products. But I just go there to promote the business. Yeah, that's no, good. And, and being on that subject, because you know, I, I guess Dyna Days is such a little, um, uh, you know, brainchild baby of, of of mine. And and with the mixture of Ryan Lockridge. How I, it is neat. I've never really spoken to somebody about the first one moving into the second one, how it grew just in one year and the changes that we made that you know made it so much more enjoyable. Obviously, we couldn't control the wind on the first one and it was just a super unfortunate situation. But I mean, just take the wind out of the uh, equation and just the growth, I guess you can see. Well, I mean, it the show doubled in size. And you guys got a, a way better venue. Yeah. It made a huge difference getting that better venue. Yeah. To be honest, that verse, first venue was kind of a piece of shit. Definitely. Definitely. Um, it was, what What was that raceway? What was, it's like a little motocross shifter, car, uh, shifter cart track. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, again, it was just in our budget. That's where we right. had the money to do it. And it, right. who knew if it was even going to work? And it worked. Yeah, a lot of vendors showed up, and a lot of people showed up, and it was it was a cool show. Aside from that, that deadly wind, <laughs> oh man, that threatened to blow everything away. I, I don't even think we lost one canopy that day. I remember all morning we were trying to help people tie down canopies. Yeah, everyone was tying their shit together. It was like, uh, you know, when the, the, the when they circle the wagons. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it went down. And if one canopy was going to go, everybody's they canopy was going to go. They were all going to go, yeah. Oh, Luckily, man. the winds didn't get that strong. No, but it was, yeah, it was, uh, that was probably one of the best, worst days of my life. It was, I'm sure it was a lot of stress for you guys. Yeah. But we're stoked. October 24th this year. So we, we've actually got it on a Saturday this year. Okay. Which is the first. And October 24th, so we're trying to still search for that perfect weather day. Last year, in a 28 or 2019, it was just really hot now, which, I mean, we're Southern California. It's hot. Which is great for ice cream sales. It is great for ice cream sales. But this year, we got we moved it out, I think, a whole other month now on a Saturday, October 24th, right around Halloween. Maybe we'll do some kind of dress-up fucking deal. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll do, like, you know, who can be the sluttiest cheerleader? Guys only. 
Yeah, October 24th should be significantly cooler. Yeah, so that it's been a, a very fun deal, and in, it's it's it'll be it'll be in the same spot. Yes, yeah, same spot, same spot. So that's a good venue. Yeah, it is. It really is a good venue. This year will be the first year that we're actually doing Hippie Killer, which is also at that venue. I've never ever been to Hippie Killer. Um, just always bad timing on my side. You but, never went out to it when it was out at that dude's ranch. No. Oh. Yeah, but this year um, we we t- I t- I've been talking to J- Jeff Holt, every twin visionary. We're going to be working with him um, and set up in his area, and we're going to hopefully have the FXR there, and that's be the first show it'll be at, you know, um, and kind of I don't know if we're going to do like a, a little unveiling or whatever, but at least I'll do my own little mental unveiling. Uh huh. Yeah, I've been finding these uh, FXRs like <clears throat> I have a ninety. 90- Three FXR that's like a full 90s build. You know, it's got the wolf on it. Yep. And that bike was like, I saw it in the parking lot at Huntington Harley. I thought it was so beautiful. I was wondering what was going on with it. And the guys, and one of the porters like, oh, some guy's going to trade that bike in right now. I'm like, he's not trading in this bike. Yeah. And that's the bike you brought to Dyna Days last year. That's the bike I brought to Dyna Days last year. That paint scheme is so sick. Oh, it's beautiful. I I found out who the painter was and I contacted him and he totally remembers the bike. We had this, you know, like, 20 minute long conversation about the bike and other things he's doing and he, he's killing his his name is uh bruce yodanis he's out of uh florida oh wow so that paint the, the bike traveled from florida to here or the tin set did the whole bike wow yeah it's, it's crazy when you find a bike like that that's traveled so, you know across the country and then you end up with it yeah yeah. You know, it's weird. We, the the bike that we gave away at Dyna Days came from Ventura, and I picked it up in Flagstaff. And the guy that had I mean, it was a stock O2 uh, Dyna. Uh-huh. And the guy who had it was a retired school teacher out there in Flagstaff, Arizona. Lived in the Bay Area, moved to Flagstaff, never rode the bike. It just sat in his garage. And so, I mean, the, if we bought it. It's an O2. It had 22,000 miles on it, uh-huh. which is just enough miles to where all the seals aren't dried up, you know, and, you know, you know how that is. I, a lot of guys like to get these bikes. Oh, it's only got, it's a 1987 with 300 miles. Oh my God. Oh fuck. That whole needs a whole new motor, man. Like those gaskets are done for. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, unless he's got, unless that guy was religious on starting it in his garage and doing some sweet rev ups every fucking <laughs> week. Yeah. Right. You know, but it's, it's uh it sucks. I've, I've had a good friend of mine. He's like, he got super hyped because he did that. He got like an O2 Dyna or some early year Dyna. And he's like, it had 800 miles. He was so hyped. I'm like, dude, that's not good. And just like every gasket on that fucking bike leaked all over the place. You know, the, the dry, dry rot's real. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And it's worse in some places than it is in others. Definitely. Definitely. If there's those little wetter states, I probably have a little bit better option of keeping those, um, those gaskets a little wetter. Yeah. Yeah. But not, not here in California or Arizona. Or Las Vegas. Arizona, you know what? If it wasn't for surfing, I would probably be living in like Arizona or New Mexico or yeah. Texas or someone that's more affordable. Yeah. I think our end goal here is to go to Arizona. I really like it out there. My end goal is the 50th state. Yep. Yeah. Hawaii. Hawaii. That's a spot for me, man. I love it out there. I just want to surf every day. Yeah. That's all I do here now, but I like to own a home. Yep. And raise the girls. And be able to surf with them every day. Yeah, my wife's dad lives out there, but he's his house is for sale. He's coming back. He's blowing it. I know. There's nothing. Is he coming back to California? Yep. There's nothing here. The state's I dead. Know. I think the, the it's it's the it's the little ones. 
He's got okay. two little grandkids out here. You know, I think uh, it's it's that's where it kind of led to. You know, I mean, his house out there is just beautiful, though. It's a shame. It's a it's a especially it's a bummer. We I won't be going to Hawaii probably ever again because now I'm gonna have to pay for a hotel. You'll be gone. <laughs> you can camp out in front of my house. Oh, there we go. It is such a beautiful state, though. I mean, uh, it's, I've only been to the one island. I've been to Hawaii Island. Okay. And uh, but man, I, I, it's. All the islands are like that. Oh, yeah. I love it there. I mean, his house is up on this little, um, it's not, it's about a football field away from the ocean. It's up on this little hill where your room just, you can just see the ocean. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like his back patio, like it's because it's up on this little hill in this weird development. It'll never be obstructed by anybody else's builds because if you look into the air, open area, it's got all those lava stone rings. So it's uh-huh. all been deemed sacred land. Because, uh-huh. And I'm like, how is there so many rings right there? Was the guy just walking around eating fucking fried chicken throwing <laughs> the bones and shit you know because that's the way they do they they survey the land and if they find bones they deem it as sacred land for whatever you know tribal war or something like that but i mean it's like here's the development and then just to the right of the development it's just all sacred land now and i'm like i mean works for him because nobody can build in his backyard view. You know, it's funny. People say California is so overpopulated, but it's just the metropolitan areas that are overpopulated. Oh, yeah. There's tons of tons and tons of open space in California. Oh, yeah. It's insane. If you just drive north of like the L.A. Basin, there's literally nothing till you get to the Bay Area. Yep. It's it's wild. But everybody wants to live in the in, metropolitan areas. You yeah. Know, I can't. I hate going to L.A. I hate it. It's it's not even on the cards for me. No, I, I, I mean, and I don't. I, I got to go, you know, to Chatsworth where Valley Customs is, and which is not. I mean, it's L.A. County, but that's it's not L.A. You know, you're if, not going to the big city or nothing. Well, but. if you're going to L.A., you got to plan it. There's these little windows. You have to leave by this time, and yep. you have you have to be headed. Home. You have to leave, and be headed home by 1 p.m. Oh yeah, or it's over. Or you're fucked. I yep. just did it. I just did it last Friday. I left my house at 7:30. I got uh, no seven. I got there at nine, two hours, it's 70 miles, two hours to go 70 miles. Um, and then I stopped at Thrash and Supply to say hi to Lance, check out their new shop, met Valley at 10, and then, you know, we get bullshitting. So we bullshitted till about one o'clock. Oh and then I was God. like, I gotta go. And it's still uh, another two hours to get home. Yep. It's just, it's insane. You know, growing up, my dad did that drive from Asperia to um, East LA every fucking day. That's, he had a he had a, a industrial painting shop out there. That is a that's an awful life for anyone to give away, you know, two three hours of their lives every day. Yeah, one way. Just to commute. Yep, one way. It was wild. I mean, he, I remember times where he would leave at five p.m. to come home, and he wouldn't get home till ten. Yeah, move close. Everyone out there, move closer to your place of work. Yep. She so can have your life back. It's crazy. Even here in Riverside, I live in Riverside. My shop's in Riverside. I don't have to get on the freeway to come to my shop. Literally, I think I make one, two, three, four turns, and I'm on the road that my shop is on. Yep. And it still takes me 30 minutes. Yep. It is 15 minutes from my house to my shop. Yep. At any time of day or night, it's always 15 minutes. It's, yeah. a, it's beautiful. See, I, so where I live, I live up on the on off of Alessandra, which is the connecting road to the 215 to the 91. So people take it as a shortcut. 
Mm-hmm. So I just get if I if you it's weird if I leave like before I did today where I'm leaving on my way here like seven seven thirty to be here earlier than I normally am traffic nonstop thirty minutes but if you leave at like eight forty five. 15 minutes because you missed all those people trying to get to work or trying to, you know, skip freeway uh, exits and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's shitty. Yep. I, I surf cliffs in Huntington and there's a, a school. It's a grade school, middle school and high school in between. So if I get out of the water too early at like eight o'clock, I'm running to run into traffic. So I oh, stay in yeah. the water till like eight thirty. By the time I'm heading home, everyone's already in school. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It's uh, a, <clears throat> Not to mention the, the, I guess, the way people drive these days. Oh, you know, shitty driving used to only be reserved for Asians. Yep. Now everyone sucks. Oh, everybody sucks. Everyone is now preoccupied. Asians were probably only occupied with themselves. Yep. But now everyone's occupied with what everyone else is doing, and they're looking at oh, their yeah. phones and fucking... I just bought some air horns for my vehicles, um, you know, that I can wire in. Yep. So uh, my, that's kind of like one of my joys in life is honking at people. <laughs> I love it, and I... I and I, when somebody honks at me, if they have a reason to honk at me, I respect it. Absolutely. And you know, you're not going to get the finger from me. You're going to get the I'm sorry wave. I yep. fucked up. Yeah. But uh, I love honking. On the way home on Friday, I got to honk at three different people. I was so happy. And did they look over at you? They like 10 and 2 and kept looking straight ahead. Or usually they'll flip you off because it's, oh. it's because what they're doing is your fault. Right. And I and I love the um, lack of, you know, taking, uh, you know, responsibility responsibility for their actions. Yeah, it's crazy. That's that's the new era. Nobody wants to be responsible. No, it is true, and it's weird. I've always, um, as a person, I, and I, and maybe this is later on in life when I, you know, after I fucked up a bunch, but as a person, I feel. I enjoy being wrong. I enjoy taking responsibility for the actions I've done because those are the when I learn things. Though that's something that your parents taught you. Maybe. 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's it's cuz when you're like you ever have those people, I get I get them from time those people that <laughs> They're right no matter what. Yeah. You can't talk to them. You yep. cannot educate them. You cannot teach them. They are right. You're wrong. And they've already had that in set on their brain before, t- 10 years before they even knew you. And you can't teach them anything. And every time you run into those people, you just got to think back to your prior conversation uh-huh. and just remember... You know, talking to this guy is futile. I'm just going to step away from him. I'm actually step away from the whole... Stay away from these toxic people. Yeah. All they're going to do is drain drain you. They do. They definitely do. We get. I get that with uh, uh, quite a few people sometimes, and it's just like, I, I love you know one of my things that I've done at this business and doing what I do and and why I, I consider and call me vain, but consider us one of the one of the great ones out here, is because I educate myself on the parts. There's times I buy new parts that are coming out and I put them on bikes before I, we even sell them just because I wanna know about them. Mm-hmm. I wanna learn about them because if somebody calls me and asks me about that part, how am I supposed to educate them if they need it or not if I don't know about it? Right. So um, it's always enjoyable when I get phone calls or, or things and people are trying to get information about it. And as you're um, feeding them information, they just start talking louder over you. And I, I shut down on those kind of people. I can't, I can't do it. It's hard. The customer isn't always right. <laughs> what is that one movie? The customer's always an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and no, that's not true. But you know, um, it is crazy. I mean, we do. It, I always, I, I guess I'm getting old because I'm always reflecting on the differences in the world from like when I was a teenager kid to now and how much it's changed. Well, back when we were younger, 
parents had more time to raise us. That's true. And now, you know, especially in this uh, in this economy here in California, specifically, everything is so expensive. Both parents have to work. Yep. They have no time for their kids. Yeah. So their kids don't really know, you know, if they're doing something wrong, and they they don't have to answer to their con- to consequences. Yep. Nobody wants to be responsible. Ultimately, I think I hold parents responsible for their kids. Definitely. Definitely. So if your kid's fucking up and he's acting like a little asshole, it's because you're probably an asshole. You need to change that. Yeah. Oh, that's a big time. I mean, I see that constantly with uh, little ones and things like that. I mean, um, they're... they're and, and it's not an easy job. And, you know, no. single parents can't do it alone. You know, With two parents, sometimes it can't be done. No. It's, it takes a village. It takes all of society to raise these people to not be assholes. Yep. It's okay to say something. Even if it's somebody else's kid, it's okay to say something. Yeah, yeah. I do that constantly. If I see a little kid acting out, I make like mean faces at him or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, it is, it is hard, man. I mean, as a parent, and, and it, it is difficult to raise kids. And, and you think as they get older, it gets easier. It's not true. It, it's, you know, it all, I guess it depends on the kid and everything. You know, um, me and my, and, and my ex-wife have been split up for quite a long time. You know, um, me and Amy help raise the kids when they're with us. And she has a majority of the time. And, uh, you know, I think we're uh, fortunate and, you know, we've definitely tried our best to raise them as a team um, and to instill values and, and a moral compass. In, in, you have to. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, uh, my son just last weekend went on his first, uh, high school dance with his girlfriend and I was got report back that he was ho- holding the door open for her and all this stuff. And that, I was like, that's your fault. That's your fault. And, and your wife's fault. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm stoked that he was, you know, acting like a man, not fucking, you know, you know, he bought the, everything he paid for dinner. I, I felt really proud. Those are all the things he's supposed to do. Yep. For me, I spent a lot of time growing up with my grandpa. My grandpa... Uh, Which is even better. Yeah, he was an old school guy. He was... Uh, if I, I, I... You know, and I'm still this way. Uh, I like to touch things. I'm, 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 I I love fucking fiddling with things at the store. I'm like, do, 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 you know, like especially... Oh, McFaddendale? Yeah. Forget about yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, so as a kid, I remember going to the store with my grandpa. My grandpa was an orphan in the streets of Chicago, joined the army when he was like 15 years old, you know, uh, all this stuff, Live, you know. He was a, he was an He's self-made. Fellow. Yep, had had like aliases and stuff, which was really weird when uh, my grandma had passed away and I was starting to go through documents and going through things. Um, he ha- had paperwork with different names on it and stuff. He was. A, I really wish I could have, like, sat him down in a setting like this and just sit there and talk to him. Now, as an adult, right? Um, I was a, a, in I think twenty, maybe twenty-one, twenty-two when he passed away. Um, reckless early twenties, drinking, fucking, you know, not really. Yeah. Not having the mindset where I should have, I guess, at that time to respect the last times here, or guess, but uh, it'd be neat to sit down and talk. Well, to him I now. mean, that's you're not mature enough. No, no, definitely. You're not. only twenty. I, I honestly, I probably didn't mature till I was probably thirty-five. Yeah. Oh, big time, man. I think <laughs> we have less. Men have less responsibility. Like, um, like I was talking about Jordan Peterson. He said women have to get all their affairs. You know, their their lives, their goals, their careers, education, their families, they have to get it all locked in by the time they're 30 or at the latest 35. Yep. Because that biological clock is ticking. Yeah. Us guys, we, we honestly, we never really have to grow up until we want to. No, that's very true. I mean, 
I consider myself still a kid for the most part. It's it's weird. Some of the things that like I guess not not necessarily have accomplished, but maybe even some of the, like the physical possessions that have made me realize recently that I'm like, oh wait a minute, I think I'm becoming an adult. You know, because all this time in my life, especially working with this, what I do now, I enjoy this so much. It's not really like I've never once in the last three years of being self-employed woke up and gone, fuck, I got to go to work today. You know, maybe because it's cold out or something because I'm a bitch when it's cold. But, you know, like never like um, in the sense of I don't want to be here. I love going to work. I love it. And it's, I love going to work and it's, it's enjoyable for me. It's a way for me to, you know, provide for my family. And, uh, I mean, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. No. I feel bad for the people who hate their jobs. Yeah. Who sell the best hours of their lives to someone else. Yeah. But you know, and in the respect of that though, in, in my journey, I would say this kind of stuff is not for everybody though. I mean, excuse me, as you know, there's some very stressful moments that you're like, hmm, cool, I need to come up with fucking $8,000 like yesterday. And, you know, that shit happens in, 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 in business, you know, in real life. And in, in, I think more so in business than in real life. Because I don't remember as, as, you know, working for a company and being like, fuck, I need to come up with $8,000. Right. But I do have had that happen here, you right. know, like at certain times. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, and like, again, one of the, one of the t- biggest lessons that I ever learned from you was everything's for sale it is so i don't have that weird attachment anymore before i did i'd be like no i'm keeping this forever my friend sold me this odd iron head and he's a drug addict and he died and i'm gonna keep this bike forever yeah no now i look at things and think okay that's worth this much i can get this money from there it's all just stuff yep it's It's all just stuff yeah I remember, I mean, at the, the low point of my life, I basically lost everything. I didn't have really anywhere to live. I lived in a trailer in my buddy's backyard because it was that or the PT Cruiser. I was sleeping in that. And, uh, you know, everything that I had worked for, and this is when I was 29, 30 years old, everything I had worked for in my 20s um, was just gone um, for, you know, reasons, you know. And, and uh, that's when I had, like, it came to... Well, at that age, you didn't really think about your future. No. You thought about what, you know, like... I thought about what can I finance. <laughs> that's, like, why I say I don't have good credit because I had to do... I mean, I, I throw it out on the table. I had to do a BK at one point because they were trying to garnish my wages and, like, take $800 a month. And I'm like, oh, cool, cool. I'll go live in a cardboard box in Fullerton at that time. I mean, like, mm-hmm. there was just no way to live in if they are going to take that much money. So I had to get out of it. When, my, when me and my ex-wife split up, basically, I took all the debt. Everything mm-hmm. was in my name. And, and, and it came with me, and it was a bad time. We both lost our jobs at one point, blah, blah, blah. You know, the story, the sad, sad story. It's, but I learned from that point that everything I have is superficial. And then with your lesson, also, everything's for sale. Like, I mean, I know I have a, a few toys now, but, I mean, it's like, oh, you, oh, you want to buy that? Like, yeah. Or, or, or I, I need money? Cool, that's for sale now. I don't give yep. a fuck because yep. it all can come back. Or everything can come back. Not. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't. You know, as long as everybody's happy and we're all living and we're, you know, is, is what really makes the most sense. Yeah. You know, and one of the things I also learned is not from that lesson is to not get myself all fucking wrapped up in financing shit. Now I'm a completely different person. It's like, like you said, we talked earlier, it's cash, you know, and that's where I'm at now. It makes it easier. It does. It's, it's less stress. I mean, to have all these bills looming over you every month, 
it it really is a lot of stress, and I can see it wearing on people, carrying oh, its toll on people. And I, it comes from that, um, I mean, that old saying, keeping up with the Joneses, but that's real. That's a real situation. It's real for some people. Yeah. You know, for me, like, I just... I'm I'm doing the best I've ever done right yeah. now. Same. Every, same. Every, everything is going super smooth, and we're all healthy and yep. happy, and that's all that really matters is being healthy and happy. Everything else comes and goes. It does. And you know, I, I it's it's the that motto too. Hard work pays off. That that's real also because I see a lot of people. I think a lot of the younger kids, especially the kids who like grew up with Instagram, and they're in their early twenties now and stuff. They they have this weird sense that they want to be on top right away entitlement yeah and 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 i don't even want to like i agree it's entitlement but i it almost should have a different word it's just because it maybe they don't feel like it's like they they're deserved it they're owed it but instagram and social media since they, they've had it since they were 12 probably now you know mm-hmm. what i mean we were all kind of adults at least um, well, we, we would have to bring it to school and be like show and tell look yeah. i got I, look at this puppy i got yeah thanks for bringing it in mom take it home now yeah they're comparing their lives to some kid in you know florida that their parents you know are multi-millionaires and this kid's got you know gold-plated sneakers right and it's like that's not the way real life works not even close i always say instagram's a highlight reel it is i'm not going to show you like yesterday, no joke, we were like sitting, we don't, I'm not a Super Bowl person, so we're sitting there watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know, that's a great show, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, doing a little bit of work on the computer or whatnot, hanging out with our dogs, and we were both just like, what's for lunch? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm gonna go to State of Birds and get some Top Ramen. I spent like $9 in Top Ramen and like microwavable vegetable packs through them, and I made the baddest Top Ramen soup, you know, like it was the shit, and I still have Top Ramen in the cupboard for later. <laughs> I haven't eaten that shit in so long. Oh, but now you're gonna get the taste for it because that shit's uh, bomb. Yeah, a lot yesterday. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a sports fan. No, I surf, but I don't watch surfing. Like I'll look at clips on Instagram, but I won't sit down and watch. You know, the WSL or what, whatever it is, uh, pipeline contest. I've never sat down and watched skateboarding or snowboarding. I'll look at little clips. I. I mean, when I lived in Mammoth, we used to watch um, this one snowboarding video, uh, Simple Pleasures. Uh-huh. I used to watch it literally every morning with my roommates before we got snowboarding. But as far as watching sports, it was never a thing for me. No. So yesterday, yeah, the Super Bowl was on. I, I, I'm guessing it was the 49ers and someone else. I don't, honestly, I don't know. I went to Stater Brothers. There was a lot of people there, and they were all wearing, like, different jerseys. And I couldn't really – I think it might have been the 49ers, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. All I think it was a three-way because <laughs> I, I seen a lot of different jerseys. I'm not sure. But I – I sat at the house and we watched movies. Um, Christina's friend Jennifer came over and we hung out with the girls. And I did a quick run to the taqueria and got yeah. tacos for everyone. And we just kind of laid low, you know. Like I, w- I would probably be more uh, apt on watching sports if, like, say they were allowed to do steroids. Yeah, right. They I should be, have an extreme league. I would be more interested to see if some guy, uh, swimmer, was on steroids and he was like racing a shark. Yeah. Yep. I would, that would be very beneficial to my uh, enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, or a guy throwing the football with a bionic arm. Let's really get into that shit. Yeah, like he could, like like Uncle Rico, he could literally throw the football over them mountains. <laughs> I would be in on watching that. 
I don't see why would they sh- at this point. I think the world has become so desensitized. Um, and me and my wife talk about this all the time. I remember when The Simpsons came out. You know, ni- what was it, 1989, something like that? It used to be on the uh, Tracy Ullman show, Little yeah. Clips. Yeah, and I remember I remember as a kid, I was born in 1982. So as a kid in that time, I mean, I was in elementary school, and we were not allowed to watch The Simpsons or Married with Children or anything like that unless my dad was watching it. And that was the only way. And so you were hoping that when he got home again, he worked in LA, so he'd get home late at night. You were hoping he was gonna come home and turn it on because you wanted to watch that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like the regular Saturday morning cartoon. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think that kind of stuff, along with social media, internet, all that stuff, has desensitized people so much. It's everything's readily available, nothing shocking anymore. It's insane. And then with that, with that exact statement, everything is readily available. It's amazing how many people don't know how to use Google. I remember one time, you're, you, you're the one who sent that to me. I one time. www.letmegoogletheforyou.com. But it's not that. It's the, it's the acronym yes. for that. Yes. So one time I asked Tony something and I'm like, Tony, blah, blah, blah. And this is before your phone would come with the little, the little screen. It was on the, on your text. That was the, like a preview. So it was just the address. <laughs> and I'm like, Tony, uh, how do I do blah, blah. And he sends me this, this address and it's a www.l M G T Y, right? F Y, yeah. F Y, okay. And, um, and I click it, and it's called Let Me Google That For You, and it just has the Google search bar. And I go, You motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but I've used that a lot now. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, it's crazy. It's the funniest shit. Uh, Anything I, and everything you'd ever wanted to know about the world is out there. Not of it. Not all of it may be factual, but you've no. got to sort through that yourself no. and make sure, you know, you make the decisions on what you want to believe. Yep. I, a lot of people call me and ask me, like, how did you learn so much about all this stuff? How did you? Well, I, I with the Ironhead, I sat on XLforum.net for most of my life, you know, and reading and reading and reading. I've always been a good, a big forum board person. I love forum boards. There's a lot of information on there. And I read and I read and I read and I research. Anything I do, when I'm wiring the FXR at night, I would sit on my iPad and Google uh, FXR wiring pictures because it wasn't the hard part for me on the FXR and the wiring it wasn't the fact of connecting the wires that's the easy part I couldn't wrap my head around how I was going to route everything and you know I wanted to be super clean because obviously I'm trying to build a, a really nice bike I don't want fucking just wires everywhere you know what I mean because mm-hmm. um, we've all seen that too you know and I, I was getting away from using wing nuts for once and so you know like I wanted to just wire nuts wire nuts wire, wire nuts there you go. <laughs> I didn't want to use the household wire nuts um, um, so I was really trying to do, and, and at night, then that's what I do. Like, why everybody's out, I, I don't even really drink anymore, which is weird. Um, last year. We don't drink at all. Yeah, I know you don't drink at all. I, I've seen you turned up. That was probably Hazard County 4. Probably. I remember you were wearing a wizard's hat, and I think you were two and a half beers deep, and you were turned up. That's all it takes. Yep, that's good, though. I'm a cheap date. That was probably the last time you drank, huh? <laughs> it, it's been quite a while, yeah. Yeah, I see, I, I love drinking. I've always loved drinking. I consider myself a drunk. It is what it is. Um, I've been good. I've always been good at it. I've been drinking since I was like 15. Like, I would drink and do homework from in high school, you know what I mean? Like, And I've always been really good at it. I can in high school I could put down an 18 pack it was stupid retarded which probably is why I'm so overweight but I've reached like in the last year or less than a year probably the last eight months me and Amy both have kind of like been like I'm over it 
You know, I'm tired of feeling hungover. Um, I'll, I'll have an 18 pack in my fridge now for uh, two months. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll drink one on a Saturday or something. You know, I'll have one every once in a while. There's bottles of booze that have been sitting at the shop and at my house for years. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It, it's just for people to come over, but I don't really, you know, people who drink like that, I don't really have them over. I don't bring them around. See, I get like, I'll, be, I'll get in this mood. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to drink today. Right? Like even um, Saturday night. I had a few beers mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I went and bought these nice bohemias. You know what I mean? Like these, these and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have some beers. And I got some limes. Like, I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to cook up some carne asada. I had four A after the third one. I'm just like, meh, I, I'm, I just, whatever now I've, I've been fortunate to not actually have that type of uh, addictive personality. I, yeah. I could go with or without. It didn't matter when, even when I was a kid yeah. and everyone was drinking, I would go months without drinking. And then I go to a party and get super hammered. Yeah. And I'd go, you know, I'd party for six months and then take three months off, five months off, a year off even. Yeah. See, I, I think in the in the substance portion of my life, I, I'm the same. I, I mean, I like to drink, but I don't need it. And I know that. And in, in no other substances I've ever been addicted to or anything like that. You know, not that I haven't done other substances, but I've been in, I've had a lot of friends go the opposite direction. I've just, I don't think I've ever needed to escape my life. And sometimes people use it as yeah. a crutch to escape their lives. Definitely. And if you make your life good there's there's no you you wouldn't want to escape it yeah even I mean even in the bad portions of life it's really there's definitely people out there that have gone through way worse things than I have I never claim my stuff yep. to be the worst I mean um, I, I hear horror stories of people's divorces and things like that and I know mine's not that bad it was bad for me yes um, and so you know it's a it's a shame that people need to escape their lives sometimes like that but for me like even recently with the legalization of marijuana for me i was like oh cool it's legal again i was a big pothead in my 20s i love smoking weed me you know? too and when it first became legal again i got my card you know i went online and filled something they gave me my card right away you don't even fucking see anybody you're ordering weed it's delivered to your house now it's like the most amazing thing you know and i was getting high again and then I would probably get too high or eat too much edibles. And then I would go lay in bed at night at like, you know, it's now 11 p.m. My eyes have been shut for two hours. My wife's asleep snoring. The dogs are all snoring. I'm trapped in my own fucking brain. Going 120 miles an hour. But in a super negative direction. Yep. That's killed me. I mean, there was, I mean... It was insane. I would go through these weird things at night where I'm like, what are you doing? You need to get a job. You're not good enough for this. You fucking idiot. Like crazy, just beating myself up over life. Like, you know, and it's like, holy shit, I'm not fucking touching that stuff anymore. Last time I smoked weed. So last summer, just for shits and giggles, I grew some weed in the backyard. Yeah, I remember you showing me pictures of that. And, and we harvested it and I did like a, a movie night at the shop. Yep. Um, and we played Cheech and Chong's. Yeah. So I, you know, I was like, fuck it. I, I grew some weed. I'm going to smoke it. And it made me so fucking paranoid. I haven't touched it since. Oh, yeah. I gave it all away. and It's wild. <laughs> I don't know if it's just way stronger now. I mean, but I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, not, I'm not with it. I'm not at all. I like, you know what? I, I will, um, like at Kernville, one of my favorite um, motorcycle camp out events that we like to go to from Biltwell. Um, I'll take now, like, you know, one hit from somebody's joint or something, you know, and it like just like gives you that cool, like, hey, yo, man, you know, putting the vibe out. Mm -hmm. And I'm good that way. But to sit there and just now, like, eat an edible or keep smoking or anything, I'm like, fuck 
that. Like people go out and lose themselves. Oh, that's not for me. No, I see. I've never done any kind of a hallucinogenic or anything like that. And I mean, it, it almost felt like that's the direction that shit was going in in my brain. I mean, it's terrible. I don't want to be trapped in my own brain at all. It's bad news. And I've talked. The funny thing is, I've talked to other people about this. Weed edibles can be terrifying. Oh, they really can. I'll tell you my my story of the first time I ever ate an edible. So um, you know Chewy. Yeah. Right? I got an edible from him. And it was this little square. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, a three-quarter inch by three-quarter inch, like little square jelly, right? And then the instruction says, cut it into fourths. So you're only eating this little, like, tiny little fucking piece, right? So we're in Catalina um, with my wife's, like, family vacation they do every year, right? It's a few years ago now. And I'm like, uh, you know, me and, like, again, me and my wife like to drink. So we're drinking all day like we normally do out there in Catalina. Me and her will be the, the drunkest people ever, you know what I mean? So we're having drinks. It's, it's noon. I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat this little piece of edible, right? I eat it. The whole thing? No, just a little square. Just a little just square. The, 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 I read the directions and I did it. Holy fuck. I was so fucked up. I'm, I'm at lunch with the whole family, the family's friends, because this is like their family vacation. They've been doing it for fucking over 30 years. But now, now it's like multiple families go from her dad's like friend, childhood friends, all from Huntington Beach and Newport and stuff. They all go out. So there's like, we're sitting at a table with like 15 people and I'm just got my head on my hand and I'm just like got the biggest grin like this and I can't fucking move or talk or anything. I'm so fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, my muscles hurt. Like, and, my, and Amy's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I ate the edible. I was floored for like eight fucking hours. Yep, it's like an acid trip. Oh, it was bad news, man. It fucked my whole day up. I remember the first time I ate a, uh, a weed brownie, my friend Romy Thornton, he was the, uh, we were at this thing called Grenade Games, um, snowboarding event in June Mountain. And my buddy Romy had a plate full of them. And I'm all, I don't know, how big of a piece should I eat? And he gave me a quarter size piece. I'm all, I'm all is this shit strong? And he just kind of smiled. I'm like, okay, I didn't really think anything of it. And I ate it, and I was tripping balls the whole day. And I'm supposed to be, I had my camera out. I'm not sure if I'm recording stuff. People are coming up, <laughs> asking me questions. I'm like, fuck, I don't know, I don't know. And it just threw my whole game off the whole day. Oh, yeah. It made me so paranoid, and it lasted the whole day. And I had to snowboard to the back down to the bottom, and it was just this nightmare. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think that was the last time I'd, I'd eaten a weed edible, and that was, that must, it must have been 15 years yeah, at least. Yeah, I'm good. I'm 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 good. Like I feel like I'm in a um, I don't know. I think my as this has grown this business, like my brain has changed, you know, and and, and I I've I guess I've probably matured barely, um, you know. But like I, my I don't want to be to where I'm not in control of what I'm doing as yes. much anymore. You know what yep. I mean? I spent my twenties like that. That was fine. You know, I, one of my because you loans. didn't because you didn't really have any focus. You didn't no. have any aim. I was working at a job that was okay. I didn't really like it. It was, it was just that I think in my 20s, you, and it's the normal for people, you get in that situation where you, you, you're you used to what everybody else is doing as you grow up. I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, pre-programmed, I guess you could say, to do the nine to five. Everybody, you go to school, you finish school, you get a job, you work the job, you have kids. You like It's like these stepping the, stones the, of life that you're, you're entwined with. It, this is like a post-war curriculum. Yep. 
um, that they put together, and that's what that's how the school curriculum came about. Yeah. After World War II, and that's what the well, you know, when you go to school and the bell rings, they're like these little buzzers telling you what to do. That system's outdated. Yeah, big time. And and they still push it, and the education system's totally screwed right now. And these kids are they're leaving high school and going to college, and just they're. You know, getting these mountains of just crushing debt yep. for the school they're going to for a job that may not even exist by the time you graduate. Yep. I know, I'm, I'm, I have my weird thoughts about the school system. Um, you know, I've always, my, my son, he's, a, he's always been a uh, very smart kid. You know, he's, he's a very smart kid to this day. You know? Yeah, I remember he was into like electronics and robotics and stuff. Yep. So he went for his elementary school. He went to like a, they call it a parent choice school up where he lives. It was a math, science, and technology school, which is really good for him. So, they, you know, they, he's really into math. He's really been always been gifted with math. Like he, he can, at seven, he could do more math than I'm capable of doing. And I did trigonometry and all that fucking fun shit. Not that I remember a single bit of it, but, you know, um, he's always just been a really smart kid. And, and but I don't think that he's now in high school. I don't think the school is right for him. I don't think that they're um, challenging him enough. I don't think that he's entertained enough. He tells me the other day, I go, how was school? He goes, oh, it was good. We had a math test. I aced it. And then I played Minesweeper. I beat level five. I'm like, what? Yeah, they just let us play Minesweeper when we're done. What the fuck? Like, this is what's going on now. And then they, and then they want you to come out of high school and be an adult. You ain't teaching them shit. You're not. You know, it's it's wild and it's only going to get worse. I mean, as they cut budgets, I mean, I'm not a super political person and I don't really even know when if I start talking about politics or anything, like that, I don't really even know what I'm talking about. I just know what I hear. And it seems like as they cut more education budgets, you know, it's, it's only going to get worse. You know, it's funny when they first started the uh, California lottery, mm-hmm. um, a huge portion of that was supposed to go to, towards education. Uh-huh. And yeah. they just keep cutting stuff and cutting yeah. stuff. And But then we have like senators that get like, you know, $600,000 for the rest of their life. Retired for life. Yeah. Like when you're done with your job, go back into the private sector. And why are you getting paid $600,000 anyways? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. No. If they had, if they had salary caps in the government, it'd be amazing. Oh yeah. It would change things. It would change things. The people who would, who want to change would be in those positions. Exactly. I have that same thought. And again, I'm not a very political person, nor do I, I feel like, um, I, again, like I said, I don't have never had an addictive, like substance abuse type situation, but I have an addictive personality to certain things, uh, motorcycles being one of them, you know, and like stupid shit. But I think if I ever got into that, it would consume me. You know, so I, I've always stayed away from politics and like shit like that. I'm not, I'm not left or right. I'm more yeah. uh, common sense. Yeah, same, same. I just and there's not a whole lot of it out there. No, I, I always say common sense is a superpower these days. It sometimes, it sometimes it seems like it. Yeah, I, I've actually got jobs, got hired just because I said that. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, you know, it's definitely hard. Uh, I, I've been in positions at jobs where I've been the boss, you know, multiple times and had to hire people. And you sit down with people, young and old, and it's like it's just crazy. It's it's wild, man. I think uh, it, it's some. It takes, like I said, though, to do what we do, and uh, we have that thought process that can achieve something out of the norm from people. Right. The norm is to get a job and go do that thing for you know work your forty hours a week. You know how many hours a week are you working right now? Which is okay for some people, but it it's not it's not okay for me, and it's not okay for you. No. How many hours do I work a week? Um, it's hard to say because. Tuesday through Saturday, mm-hmm. I have the regular shop hours. You know, Tuesday through Friday, it's uh, 10 to 6. Yep. 
and Saturday it's from 11 to 5, but before work, I'm on the I'm on my phone on the internet looking for stuff yep. or selling stuff, closing deals. And after work, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. So it, I don't think it ever ends. No, that's what I always say. I say um, I work from the moment I open my eyes in the morning to the moment I, t- I close them at night. Yep. It's a it's a all day every day process. I get people um, when I started uh, saying on Instagram that I was going to start this podcast, or uh, recently I did one of those uh, ask you a question your story thing. I never done one, so I did one recently. People are like, "What kind of advice would you give somebody that w- wants to open a shop?" And that's a hard question to answer because one, you don't know who you're talking to, you don't know their ethic, you don't know anything about them because you got to want this so bad that you're willing to do I always tell people be willing to do the work yeah I mean be I'll, willing to provide you know put time in there's big differences to make this um, something that actually succeeds you know I'll do I always say I'll do whatever it takes um, you know uh, Dixon Flannel they, they have that nice saying figure it the fuck out I mean I've been using that uh, you know not using the saying but learning that my whole career in this position from the day I started this you know mm-hmm. I mean like to, to, to now I mean there's always new challenges for me and there's never a thing I've never once said I don't know how to do that I'll figure it out like it's not it's, it's that's not that's hard. the main principle of math is problem solving yeah and I wasn't that good at math I was really good in math I, I had to do tutoring all that stupid stuff I, I uh, <clears throat> The cur- the grading curve was based on my on my grades. <laughs> yeah, I, I graduated high school with a one point eight GPA. I I barely graduated, but that's because I was a lot like your son. I was bored. Yeah, see, I I um I like to uh, socialize. I'm good at you know I, I like to talk. Apparently, yeah, you know, so I was good at that. But, but you know, you know, it's funny when any time I would be got you know busted talking in class, my teacher would move me, and I'd just make friends with whoever was around oh, me. Yeah. It didn't He's, matter. Oh, um, I would, I would always get like in, I wasn't really, well, I, in junior high, I got in a lot of trouble. I, I almost got expelled in junior high. And so my mom moved me to a high school across the city, not in my district. She had to drive me there every day. Um, and the first couple of years sucked, you know, you don't know anybody, you know, and, and, and being that age, you know, 13, 14 years old, going to a place, especially now with you have 16, 17, 18 year olds there, you know, that are seniors and stuff. They're, they're three years older than you, but they're like... A whole different level of maturity. Oh yeah. yeah, they're huge. The chicks have huge boobs and stuff. It was all. I mean, that part was awesome. But you know, you just don't quite. You don't know who you are at that point. You don't know. You know, you came from you know where you were gonna have a bunch of friends at the other high school to now you have. I think I had one guy go with me, like the, one of my best friends. He he went to that school too. But it was kind of rough. I remember. But by my sophomore, end of sophomore, beginning of junior year, uh, it was great. I mean, I, I, I'm one of the people that I loved high school. I didn't fucking do anything in my classes. The teachers, because I have like I, what I call charisma, would pass me with a D minus because they didn't want me back the next year because, you know, maybe I would talk too much, but I'd always, I'd always try to help them. Mm-hmm. Here, let me give out the spelling test today. You know, stupid, dumb shit. And they would just let me because they liked me and they would just pass me with a D minus even if I had a 20% because my mom just made me guarantee I would graduate, didn't care what the grades was, you know? I mean, uh, plenty of report cards never made it to my dad's hands. I, I got kicked out of my high school and had to go to a continuation school to catch up on credit so I could graduate. And then uh, I actually ended up living with my brother because my parents were like, I was just too wild at the time. Yeah. So I went to a whole new other high school. I didn't know anybody. And I just made friends with all, you know, stuff I was in, all the dirt bike, dirt bike kids. Yep. 
long-haired metal kids, those who I hung out with. Yep. And uh, I ended up going back to my original high school and graduating, walking with everybody. Hell yeah. And people were just like, what the fuck? How, yeah. There's no way you're doing this. I worked my ass off to get here. I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yep. Yeah. I, I think I did too, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> In my own way. Exactly. See, when I was... Um... I guess when I was about 28, that's when the recession kind of came for everybody that remembers the recession, not these young guys, but the, you know, our version of the recession, I guess you can say around 2005-ish area yep. when everything just kind of dumped out the... That was the real estate, uh, real estate. bubble. But yep. When that kind of dumped out, that's when everything just dropped. And I, I remember I lost my job. I was um, working at a sheet metal fabrication spot doing reverse engineering and some bullshit. And I was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to go back to school. And uh, I was tattooing. I had a private a tattoo studio at that time that I was tattooing in and uh, at my house and you know that actually put me through college and um, excuse me and I went back to school for computers and which I've always enjoyed I love computers I've always been my, my dad was a techie guy so I was kind of you know just kind of came with it which you know and uh, I felt like I want to do a job that was not going to be like driven by the economy you know, computers. That's to me is still not, you know, because you all, everybody's got computers. Every business has to have an IT guy, Yeah. you know, multiple IT guys, depending on how big the business is. So I did that, which is funny now. Cause I don't fucking really use that at all. I'm having a hard time just getting my Mac to print off a fucking goddamn PC computer, which I've done before and I can't figure it out again. But in that time is when I actually took things seriously. And I think I matured enough to realize one, I'm paying for this education Two, I'm going to get as much out of it as I possibly can. And I would do tutoring for math and all that stuff. You know, I would, it would just, I had to, or else I wasn't, I, you know, I was, I had a, I carried a 4.0 and I was really dedicated to keeping that. And, you know, there'd be no way to do it without it. I, I was so happy to graduate and be out of school. And my mom was like, you have to go to college and I'll pay for it. And uh, I wasn't really that interested, but I didn't really have anything else to do. Yep. So I went, and it was just this high school extension because all my dirtbag friends, same program, they all went to the same community college, so we'd link up there and fucking smoke weed in the parking yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. And after like a year, I'm like, this isn't going anywhere. This is not not what I want to do. Yeah, the same. I, I had that same opportunity. I went to, um, to Victor Valley College out there. They had a digital animation academy, and I went there pretty much right out of uh, high school. You had to like interview to get in. I had to show them drawings and stuff. I've always been into drawings stuff wasn't really that good but I got in but it was a class five days a week and it was like uh, eight in the morning till 5 p.m. again I mean you were back in high school yeah and I was like fuck this I'm just gonna go sell weed so I fucking just I, I think I lasted about two months or so not and it, you know it's funny because I, I mean, obviously if I did that and I would have never made it to where I'm at today and I and you know but it's always funny to think about the things like the choices you made sometimes and that's one of the choices I think about because where at that point I mean I remember we went to the a world premiere of Shrek. Like mm -hmm. I toured Sony Studios. Like we went, we would do all this crazy shit, and and it was like weird, you know. You know, it's funny. This Wednesday, I'm going to the set of The Mandalorian. Oh, really? Yeah, my buddy Pete, his brother, uh, he actually he's the actor uh, that plays The Mandalorian. Oh, how cool! He's getting us on. I, I'm I get to meet the baby Yoda. What? <laughs> yeah. You gonna take a selfie with him? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna take many many photos with him. We're gonna make a meme of you with him. I'll probably make it into a T-shirt. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's it's interesting again. I mean, we a lot of I think a lot of this we've talked about life lessons and decisions and choices which are is is a cool 
it's a definitely a cool uh, topic because it's crazy the choices that we've all made that have got us to the point where we are today. You know, it's it's wild to me when you really start breaking down things and thinking about it. You know, and it's uh, it's all good though. Challenge yourself every day. Yeah, definitely. Don't get don't be complacent. No. I think the, it, it, you know, and one of the biggest things I think people get locked in that comfort zone. Yeah. That comfort zone is a, is a scary place when you really start thinking about where it's at. Um, for me, that was a big, big decision uh, for a lot of the moves I've made since I was 30 years old, getting out of my comfort zone. Cause, cause um, especially like I always call the high desert a black hole. I grew up there. I've lived there my whole entire life. When I was 32, 33 is when I finally moved away from it. But anywhere you grow up, whether it be, you know, Venice Beach or the high desert, yep. I'm from Tustin. They're all black holes. Yep. It's so, and it's so easy to go back there. One, the housing there is super cheap. So, you know, um, well, it's, it's, it's consists of all the things you've ever known. Yep. Oh yeah. All your friends are there. Everybody. I mean, I, I know all the shortcuts to get around town there still, you know, I haven't lived there. Oh, it's gonna. It's been quite a while that I've been, I haven't lived there, but I always said the moment I moved away, cause I had so many people, so many of my friends move away in their twenties and they always came back. And I said, I will never move back here. I'll move to Palm Springs. I'll go to the low desert. I'm never moving back to the high desert, though, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, I've been, I'm glad I still don't live there. I go there all the time. My kids still live there. I'm up there all the time. But I don't want to live there. It's tumbleweeds and wind and fast food joints. That's all it's up there. I can't. When every time I revisit that place, it trips me the fuck out. You know, if you ever wanted to, like, travel the spectrum of how many fast food restaurants there are on this planet, go there. Right. You know, if there, like I said, if it wasn't for serving, I probably wouldn't be living here in California. Yeah, it's a trip. You know, we've been sp- last this last year. We spent some time in Arizona for we did the Battle of the Creek out there, and we had to go out there for some meetings beforehand to to put the show on, and uh, it was a different. It's a different place, man. Different, different place. It's uh, you know, how the housing. I know the housing is moving up as far as price wise because it's getting more and more popular and stuff. And but it's a, uh, it's just a different vibe, different everything out there, you know. But California as a whole, and any industry out here is such a competitive marketplace. It's one of the biggest uh, economies in the world. Yeah, it's crazy. No matter what you're into skateboarding, surfing, uh, you know, snowboarding. It, do, it doesn't even matter. Um, f- fucking making custom socks. It's just such a competitive marketplace out here, which is kind of why I like it too, though. Um, uh, one of our good friends recently moved to, fuck, I don't know. Where did he move? Missouri, Wisconsin. I don't know. I forget now. Minnesota. He moved to Minnesota. He's got this big old huge property you know it sounds cold yeah it's all grass and stuff you know he's got a a big old garage off the side of his house and it's beautiful right flat beautiful what i go what do you do i mow my grass so you're retired you mean like you know and, and and in the sense of everything that happens here in california i love the fast paced hustle 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 move 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 make moves today because they may not be available tomorrow like you yep. gotta go you gotta be on it like everything and i i enjoy that it keeps you sharp it definitely does and i probably don't do as much as i i should but you know it's like if i move to a place like that where well, here's you always you can always do better Yes. In every aspect of your life, you can always do better. Mm-hmm. 
And I think moving away from my hometown and moving to like, I moved from Hesperia to Costa Mesa. You know, I went from renting a room for, uh, I think I was paying 200, 250 bucks a month renting a room. Remember to, those days? Oh God. <laughs> to renting a 900 square foot apartment in Costa Mesa for $1,800 a month. And my my thought process on Which that, is cheap now. Which is cheap now. It, it, now it's that cheap. That one's probably 2,500 now. And I, my thought process on it was, now I need to hustle harder. And that's like every kind of thing I've put myself in to destroy my comfort zone to get where I'm at today. It's has a test. Been, yeah. yeah. Hustle harder. Like um, there's always ways to make money. Yep. There's so much money out there to make. Yep. You know, and, and as long as you, I think, for, you know, what we strive on is providing a service, you know, providing a good customer service base, you know, providing for our customers and all that kind of stuff. You know, we don't win every single battle. We've definitely had a few in our years of doing this. You know, sometimes you just can't make people happy, even though we try. But, uh, you know, I think the all in all that we've put out there is a great customer service base and I think that shows what we're you know that kind of like same ethic you know to hustle harder to make sure those customers are taken care of even after the product's been purchased you know maybe they need some advice on installation maybe they're having a little issues with it you know we're always willing to help down the road you know what I mean yeah well you know what they say uh, good news travels slow bad news travels like wildfire wildfires yeah. <clears throat> Oh, your new wildfire tattoo. That's, uh-huh. that's so fancy. It's, yeah, that's 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 that Johnny Cash song. You ever heard that song? Y- uh, yes, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Sing it to me right now. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, Tony, I think we've got a couple hours on the docket here now. I mean, we're pushing two hours, and I think uh, we're are probably, we really? Yeah, we got it. Yep. Yep. Sorry, guys, for uh, boring you with probably just nonsense like i can't wait to hear it again it is you know but that's also the enjoyment of why we wanted it i don't want this to just be straight motorcycle this motorcycle that brum 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 brap brap brother you know i think social us, commentary yeah i think us talking about real life and, and and with a mixture of motorcycles in there i think is what this is all about you know yeah we get we well, i want people to learn and be inspired from the conversations you know yeah everyone just everyone grow a little bit every day yep be a better version of yourself than you were yesterday. That's all you got to do. As, as my good friend Ruben from Biltwell says, 1% better every day. That's all it takes. Yep. Well, I don't know when you'll hit 100, but. You never will. Yeah, that's the but point. But strive for it. That is the point. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to cut it off now. I think that's a good, uh, a good second episode or second recorded episode in this room. And I really appreciate you coming all the way out from Fountain Valley to be on this show. <sighs> No problem. It was uh, it was definitely a trek. Yeah, I'm sure. Did you check the fast track? Always. Yeah, that fast track. Is I, I got the Prius. I got the HOV sticker, and I got fast track. Here's a little trick for some of you guys out there that do the commute from like uh, Orange County to Riverside or uh, the Inland Empire to Orange County. Either way, if you sign up for the fast track, it is free for your motorcycle. You use the three plus lane. That three plus lane is free. Get your ass out of the normal traffic lane on that 91. It's fucking treacherous. You will die someday. <laughs> Probably. It's scary as fuck. I hate seeing people on their motorcycle outside in that lane. It's like, man, I think it, it, it's, what, 30 bucks um, to sign up. You have to have 30 bucks on your credit. And if you don't run your car through there, they take about seven bucks a month out of that credit. And then as it gets like to 10 bucks, they re-up on it, automatically. Yep, yep. It's something like that. So... Even if you're paying seven bucks a month to commute on your motorcycle in a safer fucking environment, 
do fucking so, man. It's, ah, uh, I just can't stand it. I can't stand seeing people out there trying to fight that battle of those fucking idiots not paying attention to their cars. No, they're on their phones. They're they're wondering what Lanspeed's trying to sell next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony. Well, thank you very much again, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Signing off. Thank you. Bye.